0: Welcome to Fraggle Talk, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast, brought to you by ToughPix.com. This is the podcast where we cover Fraggle Rock, back to the Rock, episode by episode, along with the talented producers, performers, writers, and builders who help put it all together. I'm your host, Silly Creature Joe Hennis. Today we are talking about Episode Eight, Craggle Lagoon, in which the Fraggles take a much-needed vacation, and there's a mystery afoot that only Inspector Red can solve. We're joined today by two talented puppeteers from the series. First up is a performer whose work can be seen on Splash and Bubbles, Happy Time Murders, and on Kidding with Jim Carrey. On Back to the Rock, he is half of Junior Gorg. Please welcome Dan Garza to the podcast. Hey, Dan. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Joe. Of course. Thanks for being here. Our second guest is a puppeteer, builder, and wrangler whose work can be seen on Sesame Street and Helpsters. And here on Back to the Rock, he's the other half of Junior Gorg. Please welcome Ben Duroche to the podcast. Woo-hoo. Hello, Ben.
1: Thank you. Hi. So excited to be here. Did I pronounce your Long-time name right? Longtime reader of uh, Duroche Yeah, that's it. Awesome. i am a I'm a long-time reader of the of the Tough Pigs, so uh long-time long listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me. Awesome. <laughs> Always good to have a fan, uh, especially when we are uh, a fan of them
0: as well in return here on the podcast.
2: I am a huge fan. I just didn't I just didn't feel compelled to like uh i <laughs> I'm just saying. You're yeah, not well,
0: getting you to Well, you didn't use say, say it. Now. So, you know, you're going to have to prove <laughs> it over the next hour. All right. <laughs> uh, so uh, for both of you guys, uh, you're I mean, first of all, I mean, you're, you're doing fantastic work on the new Fraggle Rock series. So congratulations. And, and thanks for bringing that magic to the show. Uh, how did you get started with Back to the Rock? Uh, Dan, we can start with you. Sure, sure. Um, I did a horrible audition
2: for Wembley. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> Henson, um, thought, oh, well, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll check it out. And, uh, they sent me a thing and then, um, and then I did an audition, which, uh, I was very, uh, under the gun and, uh, I felt, felt very pressured because it's such a huge thing. Uh, and I did a terrible job and I sent it to a, to a, a legacy puppeteer who I trust very much. And he promptly said, that's really good but I don't know who that is that's not Wembley like I know I know and so all of my dreams of contributing to something that I loved so much uh were, were promptly flushed down the toilet uh and and then a couple of months later uh I get a I get a message from uh from Johnny and company saying hey would you be interested in auditioning for Junior Gorg I said, "How am I supposed to puppeteer such a such an odd audition?" He said, "No, no, just just do voice." So I did voice, but me being the overachiever, um, I I did a. Um, they sent me a scene, and I did an audition voicing all five characters in in the in the scene. I and I layered it. I did Junior, Pa, Ma. Uh, and then uh, the two uh, the two shrubs that are in this episode uh, sure. as well and uh, <laughs> and then I got a message back saying could we just have Junior please? <laughs> and, so, and so after uh, you know and I had studied the show so much uh, for Wembley uh, not even thinking that I was a a, a good match for for Junior because uh, you know I just I don't know i yeah, I just didn't think uh, that wasn't my focus at the time. Uh, so I went back and started watching more and more and more, and watching all kinds of interviews with with Richard. And uh, one thing led to another, and they and then I got a call about about two or three weeks later. No, about three weeks later, um, Johnny called me and said, "Hey, um, so what are you doing in January?" And I, of course, was just a uh, you know I wasn't a a a, a ball of fire I was just a mess of tears and that is how I got pulled in Uh, and subsequently on on set they ask us to do a bunch of different uh, critters and characters and uh, you know wherever my arm fits is where I'm at man Uh, so yeah whatever I can do to 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 help
0: uh, that's such a puppeteer's motto wherever my arm fits there yeah and these these things
2: are huge I mean oh gosh (laughs) So I'm working on it. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm
1: doing, uh, forearm setups, uh, to, to
2: <laughs> tone, to tone and lean.
1: You're just going to get more, uh, ripped in your bicep and, and forearm there, Dan. It's yeah. Like, like your
0: Popeye style, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Such a challenge. Ben, how about you? How did you get on Fraggle Rock?
1: Uh, well, I actually started working on the show as a builder. I, um, I live in New York and work at the, the, creature shop here and when the pandemic happened um you know they sent us home and production halted on sesame street which is what we were working on at the time and then a a couple months in they're like hey we've got some old puppets we're going to start refurbishing um so they sent me like a couple of you know old boober bodies and i rebuilt them in my living room (laughs) wow and um and, and that's when like, you know, the, the, the show hadn't been greenlit at the time yet, I don't think, but but it was sort of starting to, to catch wind and um, it's like really a kind of surreal time, you know, not only being in quarantine, but then figuring out how to like build puppets from home when it's not something we had been doing. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, of course, as, as time went on and, and um, production ramped up, I started hearing murmurings that uh, the show might go to Canada to shoot. And uh, I'm Canadian. I was born in Ottawa and uh, Ottawa, still Ontario. still love you, <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I've lived in the States um, for like the past, uh, you know, 11, 12 years and um when I heard like the show might go to Canada I I was like okay I this is maybe my ticket I've got my passport I'm I'm gonna um yeah push to get an audition and um I was lucky enough to get cast and and um you know because I I worked at at the Henson company already as a wrangler um I was kind of hired to do both so I I got to do a bunch of wrangling on the show some some building and uh, and also perform it was like a dream come true. It's everything I love. That's amazing. Like you're just involved with everything with the production at that point. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different hats.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. We're very, very fortunate to have that. Honestly, he's just amazing. Not just, not, not just as a, not just as a builder and a wrangler and a performer, but uh, just a, as like a regular human being. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can think of other people that I could be paired
1: up with, but not so perfectly. Um yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, I feel oh, the sweet. same way about Dan. It was like a, the, the perfect partnership um, pairing us together. Uh, we're both very lucky.
0: I love that. Um, we're definitely going to talk more about Junior Gorgon a little bit, but um, Ben, I do want to know a little bit about how you got basically how you got into junior Gord, because you you were <laughs> you know obviously hired to be a puppeteer but that's a very specific role with a very specific
1: set of needs and talents uh, for the sure
0: show.
1: yeah I mean i I come from a theater background um you know uh, dancer movement based kind of theater stuff um so that that side was sort of natural and then um you know I studied puppetry and uh I, I did some work in like character you know walk around performance um so it all just kind of made sense Johnny and I had worked together on um Avenue Q I I played Princeton and Rod um in the off-Broadway production uh for like two and a half years and and Johnny was the resident director so he had hired me there and uh yeah kind of knew my work I guess and and trusted me enough to to throw me in there that's great uh yeah and i assume that you
0: guys before cameras even started rolling you had to find some way to connect just because the the synchronicity between the face the voice and the eyes that dan i assume you're doing all of those things and mm-hmm. ben you're in the costume you know kind of sy- trying to sync everything to uh to the lines to the choreography to the music et cetera, et cetera. um how did you guys find a way to bond together to play the same character
2: well, um, we we did, and, and this is this is Team Gorg. So, so Team Gorg uh, is Ma, Pa, and Junior. We wanted a cohesive family, so all of the all of the uh, the the head puppeteers, uh, and meaning head meaning the the head of the character, uh, and all of the suit performers, uh, we all got together and uh, we had this little workshop. And uh, we're we're fortunate enough to have Frank Meshkalite as as being one of our our co puppet captains, and um, and he was Pa Gorg, Uh, and and by the way, uh, season five he's originally uh, Junior's suit performer as well. Uh, He had uh, he had um, uh, been pulled in after after Rob um, had to had to go take care of himself, and so um, so we had Frank there and. And that was that was a wonderful insight. Uh, and then as we're as we're performing and and we're we reading lines and and I think the first thing y'all did was put on your shoes, wasn't it, Ben? I think so.
1: Like to actually get in physically. Yeah. Well, no, um, no, no. Like like during those rehearsals
2: when we were meshing. Oh.
1: The yes. first thing we did was get you guys comfortable with your giant shoes. I think you're right. The the three of us, we, we had like a sort of little mock-up scene that wasn't from any script that maybe Frank wrote just as sort of a, a little, oh, you wrote it. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Frank, um,
2: it was, It was. I think Amy had written her part, um, Frank
1: had written his, and I had written mine, and we just
2: kind of mashed them all together uh, into this incredible. thing.
1: Incredible. It was just sort of like a little a little script we could run through and play around with. And yeah, we we you you guys didn't have your your rigs at all. You just kind of read the lines, and we physically embodied them. Yeah, which which would kind of inform how we would shoot, right? Because we'd always run through it. I'd be either like just in in my um, sneakers or in like the lower half, just like the, the legs, the pants, and and we'd kind of walk through on the set like what what each beat of the scene would be, and I would kind of get Dan's um, vocal choices in my ear and. And then, yeah, then from there we just kind of build until we had it, you know. In, in one of, in of full gorg.
2: One of the one of the important things that we uh, studied early on, uh, we wanted to make sure that silhouettes. Uh, I come I come from a, from an animation background, and so for me, silhouettes were very important for readability. So wherever that camera was, and Ben had the one camera that uh, he had camera view in his in his eye. Uh, whereas the other gorgs had traditional gorg vision, um, and so Ben could see his silhouettes, and for me that was I- I- extremely important to make sure that that all poses were were uh, were, were readable and legible, um, especially with the with the suit, which adds another layer of stuff matching up, you know, your, your arm meeting up with your chest or your, you know, if you put your feet too close together, there is no negative space between the feet. Um, so being able to predict each other was very important. So early on, I, I had, um, I was, I was on a, I was on a a daredevil mission to make sure that, that Ben was, Ben was my best friend, um, because I had experienced that on splash and bubbles, um, you know, between Raymond Carr and myself, I could predict being his body in that particular instance uh, with the character Dunk, uh, I could predict with 96.3% accuracy uh, what Ray was going to choose to do in a scene that might be a little improvised. And so I wanted the same relationship with, with Ben. And uh, it was just getting to know him, getting to know his sensibilities and um, and and what you see on the screen is is a dance between someone who who has uh, lines to say, has a tone that they've chosen, and someone who rhythmically and physically has uh, uh, an uh, uh, an opinion of the character as well. And so it's this it's this uh, I'm following him, he's following me, we're following each other, and so. Uh, it wasn't like a traditional dance where somebody leads and somebody follows. We were leading and following simultaneously. Um, and, and there were choices that, that Ben made that, that I said, yes, let's do this. And there were, uh, there were times when Ben was like, uh, okay, yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, and he just pulled it off like, like nobody's business. So yeah, if that answers your question.
0: That does. Yeah. Uh, but I, I need to go back a second. You, you mentioned something about uh, how the mom pod gorgs still have the old gorg vision uh, to be able to see what they're doing, which, you know, if people don't recall there was little cameras in the eyes of the puppets and the uh, puppeteer had the, the um, screens right in front of their eyes so they could see what the gorgs were seeing. Um, was that different than uh, what junior had for you, Ben?
1: Yeah. So the, um, As you said the original gorgs had sort of like a spy cam which which set the the character's eye line um or set the rather the puppeteer's eye line at the height of the characters so like the the screen gave them basically a view like a periscope out out of the gorg's eye um but they were finding it hard in the creature shop with with junior's um design to to hide the camera in a place where it would actually see out but we, we wouldn't see it on camera and um and I was uh, lucky enough to also be working in the creature shop so I could kind of give input and, and I really pushed to get um, w- what sort of like Big Bird uses, which is a, a direct monitor from the the camera feed, which is traditional for the like, hand puppetry um, in the, the Muppet Henson style. But um, it, it involves some re-rigging and they had to install a whole... Um, bit of hardware in the head that could receive the signal from the camera and feed it to me but i ended up with like a, a sort of like three inch monitor right in front of my eyes and uh and it worked great it you know it's disorienting right it's it's reversed so um your brain has to kind of flip the image and it's even more disorienting when that you have no visual reference outside of, you know, the head is completely covering your vision and you're um,
2: surrounded with it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. As, as soon as the servos start going and the, and the face starts moving, it's it's, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of focus. And, uh, but I think I, I got pretty good by the end and, and Dan and I could really just like kind of rely on each other's little physical signals. Um, and and dan especially with his audio because i had you know um in ears that i could hear what he was saying so and and he could hear me so we could talk to each other Uh, literally taped to his head literally (laughs) Literally taped to my ear uh glamorous glamorous life
0: (laughs) uh that's that sounds so much harder (laughs) than having gourd vision like for uh, for a hundred different reasons
1: it's the the, the Vision has its perks for sure, but but like Dan was explaining, I could really um, use the the frame and sh- and use what the camera was showing to en- enhance the performance because I could really see I had immediate feedback of how how my posture and stance looked. So I, I think it was actually a big advantage to, uh, to our performance.
0: Great. Um- uh, we'll get back to the Gorgs in a few minutes, um, but sure. before we we start with this episode, Dan, I do need to ask you, just because he does not show up in this episode, um, but you are the performer of Philo, half of the duo of Philo and Gunge uh, yes. with the uh, with the Trash Heap. Uh, how did that role come about for you, and uh, is it just like the most fun thing ever to just mess around <laughs> with John Tartaglia? Uh, so J- Johnny and I have, have, a, have a history
2: of, of messing around uh, and just being, being goofballs together. Uh, I love the man. I trust him in it just implicitly. Um, and if he were to tell me to, to walk blindly into something, I certainly would. Uh, I just trust him that much. He's, he's that, he's that kind of human being that just won't let you down. And so, uh, I had done a character on Splash that was similar in tone to, uh, to, to Philo, and uh, he thought I, it was a good fit. And Dave not being there, um, <clears throat> he he said uh, he said, "Is this something that you want to do?" And I, I in a heartbeat, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, so uh, so I, I uh, jumped into the trenches with with him, uh, and I prayed to the puppet gods that uh, Richard had had, uh, or that uh, the Dave had loosened up the opening enough so that my so my giant uh, um, uh, telephone pole arms could fit in it. And fortunately they did. Um, because
0: it's the same puppet from the
2: old
1: series, right? It's like it's actually the puppet. same puppet. It's, it's... And, and uh, re- refurbed by Lara McLean. just to uh, shout it out, Lara. Thank you so much. Uh,
2: and uh, yeah, beautifully, beautifully refurbished. Uh, and uh, And yeah, there's no pressure, of course. No pressure in doing <laughs> any legacy character. Um, but there I am watching, and I'm walking around our, our home going, yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to like find where he lives. And uh, and so then I, I said, Hey, uh, can I can I just talk to Dave? Uh I mean, I I couldn't talk to Richard uh because of uh for 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 junior, but I could talk to Dave and I said, Can I can I talk to Dave? uh to pick his brain and uh and so i uh he graciously uh, made time in his in his schedule and said uh, said yeah of course and uh as soon as he gets on the phone he starts oh i love what you are doing with what you were are doing with junior and it's such so great blah 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 and i said i said what i really want to know thank you thank you but what i really wanted and i'm crying <laughs> what i what i truly need to know is is where where did this come from where did philo and gunge come from and he said, "He said, you're studying me, but what you should be doing is studying Richard, because I was copying Richard the whole time. And uh, these two New Jersey shill teenagers that love Marjorie, and are like her hype guys, and um, and so that's that's where that's where he, he he lives. That's where he comes from, and every director." Uh, that we encountered on this. We had we had four different directors uh, and they all directed us with, with the amazing Trash Heap, uh, Amy Garcia, Kira Hall, and, and Ingrid Hansen, my God, I love Ingi so much. Um, but, uh, but performing in front of them uh, and then letting us do a as scripted uh, take followed by, all right, so guys, go ahead and have some fun. And so Johnny and I just throw in just throwing accolades back and forth uh really really um, kids out there if you're listening a thesaurus is your friend so make <laughs> sure that you do plenty of reading uh, especially if you have any uh, any uh, inkling to work with John tartaglia because uh, it's it's a co- it's a common thing to uh, to try to one-up each other uh in in a comedic fashion so yeah that's that's kind of where that came from
0: Right, one last question then we'll, we'll move on is there a difference yeah. between philo and gunge like personality wise what is of it of course there is uh, the, okay look in
2: in my mind uh philo loves marjorie more than gunge does uh philo is completely enamored with her um and uh, and it's it's through uh and you know this because you're 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 a tough pig of course you know this uh they they are birthed out of Marjorie's garbage. Uh, and so I have a feeling that uh, being the, the the little trash rat that he is, uh, that uh, that Gunch just ate a little bit more of uh, of that than, uh, than or than Philo did than, than Gunge. So uh, yeah, I think that's the major difference.
0: That's good to know Okay, we're gonna look out for that stuff next time we see Philo and Gunge. That in the teeth. Uh- and the teeth and the color and yeah of course but yes
2: oh yeah and the attitude yeah of course
0: amazing uh all right let's let's talk about this episode let's talk about crag lagoon uh we're gonna start out here with doc and sprocket that's our first scene um doc is talking about how she needs a vacation um like most of us uh first of all like most of us need a vacation for sure but uh we also can't afford a big fancy vacation Um, and you know, she's a grad student. So of course she can't. So she and Sprocket are taking a staycation. Uh, we do check in with them several times throughout the episode where, uh, she's got like a projector and she's showing off, you know, like a beach scene, you know, Jap, uh, Japan scene, uh, a farm, a starlit night. Um, there's one bit where they're in the night scene where they're roasting marshmallows over a fake fire. And I had to Google it just to make sure if, uh, dogs could eat marshmallows and, Uh, In case anyone's wondering, uh, they are not toxic to dogs, but they're not recommended. They're not good for dogs. So I'm sure someone at Henson made that uh, distinction before allowing (laughs) Sprocket to have that marshmallow. Um, Were either of you guys involved with the Doc and Sprocket scenes? Uh, Well, okay. So when we first got there, uh, the Canadian
2: rules were one thing about COVID and then they changed. Um, But my first day on set, uh, I was involved with did you see the, the Texas switch uh, sprocket is in this basket that's coming down. This isn't in this episode though uh, sprockets in this basket that comes down and then he jumps out of the basket, tail wags and then he comes onto the table that's for puppeteers. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's me are seeing sprocket as he's coming down in the basket. And then Jordan Lockhart is the tail that comes out. And then uh, when he pops up on the table, that's, that's Johnny and Karen
1: and, um, so early on that was that was the first shot of the entire series that was the very first day day one um shot one animatronic sprocket yeah. <laughs> as, make soon, it as, I
2: walk, as yeah. soon as i walked in johnny says uh hey so uh you, you're going to be doing a, a animatronic sprocket and literally i just walked in and had like <laughs> and i said can i get some time it's like yeah you know the shots that they always take time to set up so i had you know, about 10, 15 minutes to, to get used to, to playing with him and making him feel natural and all of that. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, decades of legacy boiled down to 10 minutes. Sure. I'll go ahead and jump on that. No, no problem. <laughs> uh, I'm a professional for Pete's sake. Uh, and so, uh, so that was great. Uh, and, and then the rules changed and we had to, we had to sit like two weeks out, 10 days out. Um, until we could come back in after we were all cleared. And, and I'm great, um, uh, you know, uh, kudos to, to, to everyone in production for being so willing to, to protect us, all of us on set. Uh, there, were, there were no moments that, that, that I personally, I don't know anyone else, uh, felt completely safe uh, and, and like, I was going to catch anything or, uh, any of that because it, what was happening was, was very real and, and very new to a lot of us. So, uh, they really took care of us and made sure that, that safety was first. So, yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. So a yeah.
2: little, little involved, I would have been involved more with Sprocket had I not been, uh, isolated, quarantined in a, a snow covered conduct.
1: Well, and it actually um, played to my advantage, <laughs> sorry to yeah. say, um, but I was, I was there um, to wrangle uh, during the Dock and Sprocket. Um, you know, we shot all that at the first, I think it was two weeks. And uh, I was there to wrangle, but because a lot of the puppeteers were thrown back into quarantine, I got to uh, jump in as the puppeteer a little sooner than planned. And uh, there's like one shot where I got to do Sprocket. Uh, there was another cowboy switch out. And then actually in this episode, um, the, the sequence where the package kind of comes through the dog door and then Gobo sneaks with it back into the fraggle hole. Uh, they, they, I don't know how, I can't remember exactly how it's cut, but we shot it with three different Gobos, like one popping up by the door, on the, like on the wide shot. And then the second puppet coming around the corner. And then the third puppet, which I rigged, was an armatured Gobo uh with a rod going through the box so he could be puppeteered from the front going into the hole and then i got to do it on the day because there were just not enough hands so um i I was like shoved in that little nook um in the fraggle hole (laughs) dragging gobo by a box (laughs) wow not many people can say
2: that a quick quick easter egg uh about this this episode uh if i'm not mistaken the uh when when she when uh when doc when lily
1: looks at her phone and there's a guy with a surfboard uh that's tim o'brien i i thought it was tim o'brien but i wasn't sure one of our one of our our associate producers yeah yeah
0: that's pretty neat uh and actually i have some questions about that that i'll get to in about 20 seconds let's time it uh because our next scene uh gobo gets traveling Matt's latest uh package and postcard. And uh, we get a quick peek in on uh, what Charlie Matt's been up to, which is that he's taking a vacation, which basically means uh, he's in some random office. And uh, he thinks that all the the workers who look, you know, bored of their jobs are actually just relaxing. Um, He discovers the relaxing water features, which are in the bathroom, the uh, light (laughs) massage cavern, which is a Xerox machine, uh, and he drinks from a mega cup, which is just a garbage can, which is what he's sending back to Fraggle Rock. Um, Very sanitary. <laughs> now, there's a lot of extras in the scene, and we don't see a lot of humans on the show as a whole. And uh, I, that's true for almost all of these Traveling mat segments. Um, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, all, if maybe almost all uh, of the puppeteers have shown up on these uh, as extras of these scenes
1: i mean dan has dan has one of the best cameos possibly in in jim henson company history i mean the the wig alone but in that, that same, wig i grew that hair oh, oh that's why you had a hat on all i'm that a time. consummate
3: okay.
0: professional i can grow very hair. method of you
2: uh yes, yes no that well
0: that one is a uh i'm sorry i don't have it fresh in my mind but that one it was in the uh commercial that, uh that stock sp- is watching yeah yeah
1: no it, it's uh it, it plays on the the in the um in the pharmacy or the grocery store where um uncle matt's shopping and he gets the, the can of whipped cream yes um thinking it's it's like that miracle hair grow product yes yes but, thank you yeah uh, it, uh, I, I, to back to this episode, the, um, the location where we shot the, the office was actually the production office for the show. Um, and I think there's, there's w- at least one cameo of a crew member in that scene. I forget um, exactly who it is, but I'm pretty sure that, that someone from the production was used in that segment.
2: Yeah, the rest of them, are, I believe, are, are, uh, are uh, capable Canadian uh, performers. <laughs>
1: I'm sure yes. they're all capable sure I, I all actually uh, yes <laughs> another um, amazing opportunity I got because I was both a, a wrangler and a performer I got sent out into outer space as it were um, to work with the second unit on on all, all the Uncle Matt um, oh, postcards so. that were shot in Calgary it was almost I think we they did three out in LA um which it's pretty obvious which ones those are because there's palm <laughs> sure. trees um but the, the rest are uh we're all shot on location in, in calgary we got to go to like the olympic the the 1988 winter olympic um uh, like stadium and skating rink and ski hill and um uh yeah some some like it was really fun to just go out and it's always so much fun to take like a puppet in out into the world it, people are just so curious i remember on the day when we were shooting the um the recycling uh, bin episode where where um, you know people are putting their recycling on the street and Matt's getting hit by it and gets dumped into a recycling truck. The the like locals on the, ha- on, the on the street kept poking their heads out of the house, really curious what was going on. And the, the PAs had to keep being like, please go back inside, you can't, you're in the shot. We just, uh-huh. need- <laughs> but everyone was so you know really wondering what was going on. The why aren't they thing. picking up everyone's recycling today?
2: What? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why just? That? And why do they have so much? Yeah, I can only <laughs> imagine people on the street talking.
1: In the uh, in the office um, postcard, there, there's a great moment of puppetry that I wanted to point out: the uh, the Xerox machine when when um, Uncle Matt gets kind of photocopied. Uh, when there's a there's a a shot where it's kind of wide and it's actually an animatronic um, Uncle Matt and uh, Kevin Clash who was puppeteering that day did this most brilliant thing he he couldn't get the puppet to look all the way towards the human. So he, he moved the pupils just ever so slightly to the side. So it gives this oh. impression that Matt's like, eyes have rolled all the way to the side to look at this person. It's so subtle, but it, it just made the moment so it so uh, well. perfect. And, and that, that seems so taboo. Like
0: we're not supposed to move those, those precious oh, you, you know, pupils. you don't want to ruin he that, that, hen, that Henson triangle. <laughs>
1: Well, in in the right moment, it's uh, it's just it it works so well. I I wanted to shout that. Absolutely, and then of course, uh, the the scene ends with Matt dumping an entire trash can of water on himself, which uh, is always a little stressful as a puppet wrangler uh, with a wet puppet. But (laughs) uh, and of course, it was the last shot of the day, and we had one go at it, and I was the assistant, so it was my job to like dump the the bucket of water. And uh, it was maybe one of the most nerve-wracking shots. One go at it, but it went okay. So I'm sure. many wet puppets on this show. So many wet puppets. That's true. Puppets. So many wet puppeteers, I would assume, as well.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, well, we'll definitely be talking more about water uh, throughout this episode. Um, but one thing I did like when uh, Gobo was reading this postcard to his friends, um, Wembley says, like, relaxation, water. That sounds like what we do all the time. And Red says, yes, but this is about doing those things in a different place, which made me feel like she is talking about this pandemic. She is talking about, like, I've been stuck at home <laughs> doing nothing but sitting on the couch and watching movies for the last two years. And it's like, man, I need a vacation from all the sitting around doing nothing. I just got to do the same thing in a different place. So true. Maybe that's just me. Um,
1: no, we've no, all also- been fraggles for the last two years. Oh, if only and for
2: me, the for those, for those not, not uh, seeing us, because you can't see us, uh, I did bring my mega cup. This is 52
0: ounces of Texas fun. Wow. Um, yeah. What like are you a, drinking there, Dan? Uh, just Can just a, you tell it's, us?
2: It's water. No,
0: it's just water. <laughs> it's just, water. It's, okay. just water. Wink. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh we get a, a glimpse of the doozers in this next bit. Uh, because they uh in the previous episode they found this new pink goo. Um turbo mm. and wrench doozer want to start using it right away, but Cotterpin knows that we gotta do more tests first. Uh this is gonna be another runner through the episode where um Tur- turbo and wrench are just going for it and they're putting this thing into production without uh without. Uh, proper testing and there's probably going to be some unexpected repercussions we'll talk more about that next week um but i do want to talk with you guys about the doozers and were you involved in puppeteering these guys as well
2: uh shout out to uh to, to ali andy and donna especially in in this particular sequence um fantastic work just overall fantastic work uh, specifically with doozers doozers are are lovely little creatures that um, that when puppeteered, that means there's a lot of spooning happening. That means you're you're really as a puppeteer, it's your responsibility to invest in uh, in solid hygiene um, because <laughs> you are besides your family. There's no one closer than than snuggling puppeteers um and everyone's got a little you know they either have mints or mouthwash or uh, very strong deodorant uh and we're we're all together in these in these um if you were to see i'm sure you've seen some of the behind the scenes stuff uh basically we're all huddled under these these risers these tables um uh, these raised sets and and there is no because they're so they're, these characters are so small. So I mean, you're literally beside each other. You're rubbing shoulders. You're you know, um, and thank goodness for for COVID tests uh, because uh, you know <laughs> for someone for someone who embodies uh, a lot of Boober's qualities uh, of of just getting getting something something. Uh, yeah, it, it was it's a thing, but doozers are great to puppeteer. They're fantastic and they're but they're finicky. Uh, they're delicate they're squishy and um and props to our to our creature shop for keeping them running
1: Uh, oh yeah gotta shout out nick Belmore, jason ward um leo leo uh last time yes and um i mean scott johnson who who, uh who ran ran the the creature shop north as i like to call it um Did, did such amazing work. And the, the genius rigs that they came up with to make those twosers go uh, blew my mind constantly.
2: Yeah, sadly, sadly, we puppeteer all of our characters full throttle. Uh, and, and so it's part of our job. You know, it's part of leaving it all on, on set. Uh, and every single one of these beautiful crafts people and technicians were there to make sure that we could make that happen. Uh, so, so uh, huge, huge debt of gratitude to all of them for, for just letting it happen. Um, and yes, things break, and directors know that, and producers know that, and Crafty sure knows that because when something breaks, we're gonna, we're gonna move on to something else. Everyone <laughs> runs to the Crafty for a quick bite, and then they come back. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, everyone involved, just amazing, uh, amazing, amazing stuff.
0: Great. And, and have you both, I assume, uh, you've both been, uh, uh, able to partake in performing doozers throughout the series?
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, to, to the point that, um, you know, uh, I got to be a, a doozer in, in, in therapy, which, uh, which I guess art is imitating life. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a doozer, uh, you know, in, 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 the monorail doozer. I was a doozer, uh, it was a, a juice tender because there is no it was a juice tender um, and uh, which also uh, art imitate or life imitating art um, yeah it, that particular one looks just like me <clears throat> <laughs> great and, uh, <laughs> yeah and i i spent i spent a number of summers uh, as a cabana bartender as cabana dan and sadly a lot of the photos that i took on set uh, corrupted in my my phone oh no. Uh, so, yeah, uh, at some point, I'm going to send my phone to, to get uh, uh, revived and, and see, if they can, um, see if they can pull that. Because all of those files, I switched over to a new phone, I transferred everything over. And then it, all of a sudden, my computer was like, oh, guess what? All of those photos are corrupted. And uh, so my old phone is, is still in my possession. And hopefully they can extract all of that data. That'd be nice. But anyway, uh, doozers are fantastic.
1: I had I had a, uh, a as you were talking about good puppeteer hygiene, I had this flash. That I can't I can't remember what episode it, it was probably around uh, now because we're dealing with the pink goo. But I I have this memory of um, being in the dozer dome set. And, you know, you they kind of on, especially on the big days when there's a lot of dozers, they would kind of like slowly layer people in there. So you'd end up kind of sitting under the set for, you know, a little bit. And uh, there was just this like smell that was not it was not good. And, you know, we all wore masks, of course, for COVID safety, but there was, um, you know, still permeated. And we're like, did someone not put deodorant on today? Like, what is that? But the more we smelled it, the more it was, it was like hot garbage. It was like really potent. Uh, as it turns out, there's this old um like movie trick to put milk into water to give it like a um, opaque consistency. Oh. So when you know, the or dome set, there are these pumps that kind of Pump water through these tubes the because sort of a hy- hydraulic station or whatever, and so the the special effects guys used strawberry milk to make it pink on the on the day when they needed to see that, and I think they thought they cleaned it out, but somewhere in the pump there was some milk uh, that was. Not good anymore. I'm glad it wasn't any of the puppets. I know. I was gonna that say, say been that's been usually fun. like where <laughs> I, I, I just yeah.
0: completely panicked oh, of man. like, is it me? Is it? me? Can't be. It's not me. Oh, no, yeah, no. I yeah. showered. I'm fine. But what if it was me? <laughs> and it would ruin my entire day.
2: <laughs> oh man. Uh, next season, cheesy strawberry
0: cheese. That'll be great. <laughs> mm. Wait, mm-hmm. did you leave it there? Is it still? Is it just fermenting on set right now? It's just No, they cleaned it out the oh, next day. Enough people,
1: sure. enough people said something that <laughs> they're like, "Oh, we but you wouldn't have known unless you were stuck under the set for oh. you know a couple." You months. know, we
2: could have sold that, Henson. That's a that's a that, that's something we could have done. We could have bottled it and this the oh, you could have said oh deducer. Uh, and, and sold it at a, at a markup, that would have been great. You know, I think there is oh, a Dooser
0: uh, perfume out there with one of the the, uh, the licensing is partners. There? I think so, you know, there's Fraggles and like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal scents. I think there's gotta be one for Doosers. Right, right. I don't know what it smells there, like. There should be a gourd. There sure. probably is, I don't. It
1: smells like radishes. Right, we're gonna
0: look this yeah. up afterward. They would all smell like radishes, right? <laughs> they all love radishes. All right, they
1: we're, smell like radishes. we're getting
0: completely off topic. This is a podcast, you can't smell anything anyway. We interrupt this podcast for a special postcard from our uncle traveling, John Tartaglia, and a Fraggle Fast Fact.
3: Today's Fraggle Fast Fact is... Fraggle Rock does use CGI. Ooh. So one of the things a lot of fans wanted to know when Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock was announced was, were we going to, you know, not use puppetry? Were we going to use CG to bring the Fraggles and Doozers and Gorgs to life? And of course, we performed the Fraggles and the Doozers and the Gorgs very much like they were in the original series. Uh, Besides special effects and some set extensions, we used CG to enhance certain things. So uh, Junior Gorg's face has a little bit of CG enhancement, although most of that is animatronic work. Um, But what we mostly used it for was for the Fraggle Five, when they sometimes appeared in the Gorg's Garden, they were CG characters. So if you look at the first episode when the five Fraggles are running around Junior's feet, those are CG model versions of the Fraggle puppets. Um, Gobo in episode uh, 13, when he comes out, in the final episode of, of the first season when he comes uh, out of the fraggle hole and climbs down and goes to speak to Junior. That's a CG version of Gobo. Um, and in episode two, when Red uh, jumps up the rocks and does all of her flips and turns during Hip Hip Hooray, that was a CG version of Red. So basically the rule was if a fraggle puppet couldn't really do it, we would use CG for it. And the CG modelers took so much time making sure that the they really modeled the fleece and the fur and the costume pieces of the fraggles to get them as close as possible. So there's your fraggle. <laughs> fast fact okay back to the podcast
0: the fraggles uh are actually in the, about to start their 30 minute work week this is a reference to the episode from the original series 30 minute work week uh red is a lifeguard Moki collects radishes gobo in in this uh universe is his job is to clean traveling matt's museum apparently um Wembley is the fire siren. Um, Boober was making soup, which I feel like he does it way more than 30 minutes a week. Um, Wembley thought that his soup was on fire, uh, so he tried to extinguish it. But uh, not only was it not on fire, but it was a cold soup, and um, that's pretty hysterical that Boober keeps calling him out for that throughout this episode. Uh, now that they're third- it go, I know, right? That guy, of course, he won't let it go. <laughs> if Boober is good at one thing, it's not letting things go. Uh, <laughs> now that their 30 minute week work week is over, uh, the Fraggles are exhausted and they deserve a vacation. Um, and uh, I get it. I feel the same way. I work for like an hour and then I'm like, oh man, I need a break. <laughs> uh, this is where we get our first song. This is the song craggle lagoon. This is original for this, uh, this episode. It's this cool Caribbean inspired song. Um, uh, it's, it's just a fun bop. I have, I have nothing else to say about it unless you guys have a, a story or two, but just a fun new Fragile song. I, I
1: want to shout out the uh I want to shout out the Ink Spot Puppeteers in that number, which do some really funny uh, amazing work. That the Ink Spots were a uh, a seminal favorite of the crew and the puppeteers across the board. They were worked in whenever possible. You'll see and a, and a favorite of the fans that um, I believe well. I I love the Ink Spots. And yeah. there's some really good Ink Spot stuff there, in this episode. The, yes, there's yes. Uh, uh no I, I
3: will
2: I will uh, Toot my own horn because the um, the ink spot that gets thrown out of the horn and the Texas switch that happens there is is mine. I get to be that one. Which one? Uh, you're,
0: so we had you're pulling the string, or you're the, so, the second one.
2: So I'm the second one, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember. I think it was effects that pulled the string. It's a,
1: just a fishing line with a, yeah. just
2: a stuff. But I think, um, but I think puppet. effects did it. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't one of us. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the horn goes off, he gets thrown. And then um, the the ink spot, which uh, has become a spirit animal. Uh, and a, a lot of us got to be ink spots uh, over the course of, of, of the sh- show. Um, my I had one in particular that was that was mine. He, he uh, yeah, I, I always gravitated toward that. Uh, because he looked a lot like me uh, and kind of grumpy and he had this he, he had the ability to to do this this underbite where he's like <clears throat> um and uh, there were a couple of occasions where where i got to be the the guy that got thrown across the room and i'm okay thanks for asking <laughs> sort of a thing and then move away um but uh yeah yeah uh, ink spots are are absolutely amazing amazing puppets they're the best i
1: love, I love them yeah. And and in the in the number in the Craggle Lagoon number, I think it was Amy Garcia, Andy Hayward, and Ingrid Hansen are the yep. three uh, ink spots. The featured ink spots. Yeah, featured ink spot.
0: That's a t-shirt. I, I would I would wear that. <laughs> featured ink spot. Um, so uh, next up, uh, we're going to take a quick jaunt over to the Gorgs Garden. Um, we've already talked about Junior a bit, but we I'm sure there's so much more to say. Uh, first of all, that set. Uh, of the the garden looks incredible with the castle the and the real grass and uh yeah. I, I mean it's got to be Maybe. such a joy to get to to play up there
2: yeah and we would hang out there too because uh um for, i'm i'm again a very method puppeteer um and uh and so i'd hang out there and check all of my vegetables. I would go through the garden. Uh, in my off time, I did, I did, uh, radish recipes, Mm. uh, because I needed to get into junior's head, um, made up my own backstory about the shed and everything that was out there. Like, and, and I handed it to the, to the writers. Uh, so, so they have, it's none of it's canon, but it's, it's all for me to understand why junior is junior. Um, but it was, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful set to, to hang out and to explore. Uh, there were days when, when we were shooting adjacent to the, to the Gorg castle, um, either, at, you know, Boober's place or, or, uh, other, uh, locations, the bridge was there as well. Um, and our holding area was basically hanging out and lying down on the Gorg's lawn, um, just a bunch of puppeteers hanging out on the gorge lawn which is amazing that's the coolest
0: uh, I mean this is great, great, this great, is like great. I mean Ben you know pretty well it's like when you're working on Sesame Street and you're like well I need to sit somewhere I guess I'll just hang out on the stoop I'll go like I'll, I'll get a drink at Hooper's store like no big deal
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go sit at Hooper's till they're ready for exactly me. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah um and and yeah we got to do that and, and and that lawn was so it's so expansive and and kind of cozy right it was like you know Astroturf that um, we could go and yeah kind of chill out on but don't sit uh, on the rocks yeah rocks. the rocks the rocks aren't, aren't gonna uh, be <laughs> they're not, they're not. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it's kind of like it's 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 true like barely anything on that set was was done in post-production like that thing was there and the, you trees. know to get up to the tower, all the trees on the side. Sometimes yeah. I noticed that there's like clouds that are added in, but that the psych there was a blue psych that Dan was um, talking about that that goes all the way around, and uh, and then Marjorie was actually around the side, so so Literally. you could you yeah. could walk around the side of the set, and then you know you're suddenly in the trash heap area, which geographically in my mind, it, watching the original show, you you knew that she was in the gorg area, but it was sort of um, not, not clear where exactly she was, but so I love it. It makes the, the so, much sense. It, <laughs> oh, makes so yeah. much sense.
2: it makes so much sense.
1: The Junior's like
2: uh, done with this. And he, th- and he just throws it over the fence. Doesn't care. Just sure. A gore. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. It's the world. Yeah, it's mine.
0: Uh, yeah, crazy. So uh, I'll, I'll, I, I, there's so much I could ask you guys about, about junior I'll, I'll try to keep it brief because this is already going on so long. Um, ben, is there a secret to making junior look so light on his feet? because when he moves, I mean, he's a, he's a big guy and there's always this flow. How heavy is that head, Ben?
1: Uh, I think the, the, the uh, construction of the suit does a lot. There's cause his, his body and, and legs and uh, arms too are all um, done with like boning. So it's, it's compresses and, and stretches really well. Mm-hmm. And so as you, as you kind of move, it moves sympathetically around you and that I think helps a lot it gives him that kind of like buoyancy yeah um, And then but I guess it's also
2: we installed oh that yes tutu, remember yeah
1: yes 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 they added um, a, a kind of connection from my waist to the outer waist of the like a tutu to the outer waist of the costume yeah. so that I could when I would move my hips, the hips of the costume would react oh sure yeah that yeah, yeah. I get that
0: right. It kind of adds like an extra uh, joint to the to the whole puppet almost kind of yeah
1: and the the connection from the the performer to the suit is is greater so that helped a lot too that's cool
2: that head is no is no joke man that's that's uh that's a heavy piece of machinery there
1: oh yeah yeah the head is is heavy i don't know what the actual weight is i should um but it was so heavy so front heavy that they had to bungee cord it to my back i had sort of a, a back brace with a clip that yeah. the, the head would connect by a cord, um, and that helped sort of counterbalance the weight of it wow. a little bit. I
2: turned into Ben's mother on set. Uh, anytime there was gonna be a stunt or, you know, that oh, can, would it be, and Ben's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dive head first or uh, Ben, 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 Benny, come come here, come here. I wanna make sure you're okay. <laughs> and, and it, it was, it, that was me all the wow. time. We would yell cut. And I'd, I'd run up, I, and this body does not run, uh, <laughs> but I'd run up toward the, the, the Gord Castle to make sure that he was, that he was comfortable and okay because, oh gosh. I, and, and again, uh, Henson and all of production, uh, safety was, was like first in, in everything. So we would do runs with, without, without the head uh, in order to, to make sure that, that Ben was going to be safe that it was doable. And then we would do one with, with, with the head on uh, but assisted to make sure that he's easing into it. Uh, And in other cases, like the, like the, uh, the well scene where you were on your back, you know, the, uh, the gaspacho scene uh, that was first assisted. And then Ben was like, yeah, I could do this. Uh, Thank, thank God for his abs,
0: man. Ben's got
2: (laughs) some killer abs um because no, that's a lot no, of weight no. no it's 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 official <laughs> we, now it's we said it on
0: a podcast everyone knows that you have great abs <laughs> big has got abs yep. um <laughs> wait for the calendar and, and like it's got to be i'm imagining wearing all that weight on top of my head and like by the end of the day you must have had horrible like neck shoulder pain
1: i mean that's got to yeah, take a i mean off. i had to take care i had to take care of myself for sure luckily we would shoot like two days probably of Gorg stuff and then have like a week or two before we shot Gorgs again. So, so my body got a break. It's not like we were doing those back to back, which would have been killer, but you know, everyone was so like took such good care of me on set. And really, I was, I was always the one like, no, let's do it again. (laughs) And they're like, get them out. Um, but the, 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 You want support. a sandwich,
2: Ben? You want a sandwich in there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the, I got to shout out my, um, my, uh, Wranglers, um, Kim and Yvonne and, uh, also Christy and Terry from the Creature Shop who, um, would like bring me peanut butter sandwiches. And between, uh, breaks, they actually got like leaf blowers and would, would stick them in the armpits of my costume to like circulate the air through. <laughs> and, uh, Nothing nothing like saying, bring in the leaf blower. That's hysterical. And
0: I'm sure much needed. I bet yeah. you it gets a little stale in there.
1: And you're the only one who could smell it. Exactly. At least you're
0: not yeah. bringing in uh, <laughs> strawberry milk inside. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so Mom um, and Pa Gorg have gone on vacation. They're off to Kissing Canyon yuck and uh he wants to move junior junior to a new sunny spot uh which happens to be blocking two other plants um who who did you say uh performs those two plants because they're terrific so so the
2: the round shrub is, is ingrid hansen and then the the conical shaped uh which classic shapes, by the way, uh, you know, as, as sort of an Easter egg sort of a thing, those are very classic shapes uh, is, is Kira Hull. Uh, so they, they uh, they did their, their work impeccably
0: and had us, had us in stitches on, on set. It seems like the kind of thing where like they were just ad-libbing all over the place and, and there gotta be so much left on the, uh, on the cutting room floor of just like gold, these, these sassy plants
2: they could they could have gone on for hours uh and and it was it was absolutely fantastic Their their uh you know what was on the what was on the page was 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 beautifully written uh matt and alex and and all of our writers just absolutely knocked this entire series out of the park um but uh but yeah they they also gave us some room to to play around um uh, For example, when uh, when Junior is talking to Junior Junior and the puppeteers are making uh, the puppet talk. So he he puppeteers Junior Junior to say uh, he says, would you like would you like to go blah, 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 blah. And uh, and then Junior out of the side of his mouth says, I'd like that very much. Um, It's 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 a nod to all of our all of our puppeteers around the world and i wanted to make sure that that they knew that that junior liked a puppeteer as well. that's right
0: so, yeah meta puppets puppets puppeteering puppets yeah. i love it um let's get back to the plot here uh the fraggles uh make their way to their vacation spot and craggle lagoon but uh the lagoon seems to be all dried up uh there is obviously a mystery afoot of what happened to the water and cue Inspector Red from uh, the episode Inspector Red. It's Red, basically wearing a trench coat uh, with a magnifying glass, and she's wearing a hat that seems to be going over her pigtails. Uh, I don't think anyone thought about this until I I just happened to watch the episode for like the third time. Uh, that she got that hat over those big pigtails really quickly, um, and uh, <laughs> she also oh she does say that she is the only Fraggle with access to a magnifying glass, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. Um, She uh, finds immediately she finds some footprints and declares that whoever's footprints these are they must have stolen the water and subsequently stolen their vacation. And Gobo points out that these are their footprints, which I'm guessing is a subtle clue about the end of this episode and who the real water thieves
1: are. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Let's think about that one for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, can I just can I just say the the Crag Lagoon set is one of the most impressive sets that they built for this production, like the Great Hall is pretty amazing, as is the Gore Garden, but the day that we walked in and saw that 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 is all practical there's no, there's no point where this the practical set ends and there's like a blue screen that that entire cave was real and gigantic this one episode it blew my mind i i the the production designer and the the scenic team on back to the rock uh are the best there i've were, ever yeah. worked with so good there
2: were, they were puppeteers and and i was one of them uh all the way up at the top we're talking three flights up i mean we're uh, amy and i are are uh, uh we were uh cave uh neighbors and we're sitting up there and and i uh, you know between takes you gotta look. And I'm, I'm looking down and it's, it looks so far down, man. It was, it was absolutely just astonishing. And, uh, everyone involved, uh, gave it so much, uh, love. It felt like a real lived in place. It was
0: beautiful. It's gotta be beautiful. surreal as well. Cause usually as puppeteers, you're hidden below things and now you're yeah. looking down on all the action. Um, yeah, no, yeah. no just interesting. but yes, it's a phenomenal set and and really impressive what what those uh, set designers come up with And every episode we're, we're raving about what we're seeing in the background like they're just nailing it. I love it. Um, yeah And uh, here we have our first Craggle uh, shows up. It's Lyle Craggle, voiced by the great Ed Helms from the office and the Daily show. Uh, and uh, who is doing the puppetry for Lyle because I assume it's not Ed Helms. Johnny T.
1: Johnny, Johnny T. T. was uh, Lyle Craggle. Yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, he did a great job. And a yeah. uh, fun fact: all the all the Craggle uh, puppets are redressed background Fraggles. So there was like I think twenty five total kind of um, all purpose um, yeah. gaggle Fraggles, and um, then they would get redressed as as Mergles or Craggles um, as needed. I was wondering that if there was a difference between a, fr- a Fraggle and a Craggle build. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are plenty of differences. <laughs> uh,
2: the uh, the head, the, the the hat on on the one that I get to I get to puppeteer, a uh, Kyle. Um, he's the gray one. Uh, his his hat is made of two gloves. Uh, if you look closely at his hat, they're gloves on top of what should be the hand. It's, oh, that's I neat. It. All right, uh, uh, another thing for
0: us to look out for next time you watch this episode. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is there a difference in performing a fraggle versus a craggle or, or a mergle, or is it just what's on page? Tell me about that.
2: Yes. Uh, So, uh, so fraggles are very, uh, for the most part, extremely active uh, folk. Whereas, whereas craggles have more of a, not only a, a walk, but a sympathetic movement to them where their head is, is loosely attached to their bodies, uh, almost like a, like a, like a feather, like a, like a long ostrich feather would, or a, um, or a dog's tail would have that sympathetic movement. Uh, and then mergles are very, are very flowy side to side, uh, as opposed to the, to the front movements. Um, so yeah, for, at least that's the way that I, I've puppeteered them. Uh, other people may have different approaches. Well,
0: that was going to be my next question. Like if you guys are 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 kind of uh, sharing your your tips about these things to make sure that it's kind of consistent a, across across breeds, but breeds, is that what? We I don't know if that's the right word
1: for it. Across the different species, species of, yeah, subspecies. Yeah. Um, or actually uh, maybe races. I think they're races of fraggles versus different species. That's what I remember um, uh, one of the scripts maybe said i don't know yeah maybe i'm making that
0: up. oh yeah interesting um no I, I mean i love that stuff that you know there's it's not just the way they look it's not just the way they talk it's i mean there's so much that goes into your artistry as puppeteers that you want to add to these guys um so that's pretty neat yeah, yeah. uh lyle uh tells red that that he is going to take her to the craggle leader and basically just walks her around in a circle and reintroduces himself because <laughs> lyle's the only guy we need to know uh He tells her, though, that she has to keep her voice down because you don't want to wake the mantivore. Uh, He is a big, scary creature that lives uh, in the big spout over by the lagoon. Uh, He says we can't go talk to it because it might eat us or worse, yell at us. Uh, And we will see he has quite the yell uh, when we eventually do meet the mantivore. Uh, But Red does deduce that the mantivore must have taken the water, which I guess makes sense. I don't know. She doesn't really have much proof there other than he sounds scary. Uh this is where we get our next song. This is the song There's a lot I want to know. That comes from the original series episode Inspector Red. Uh but uh, the the mm-hmm. difference between that version and this one is it is a duet between Red and Lyle. And again we get those ink spots and they're all dressed like uh little detectives with their little trench coats and magnifying glass which is which is adorable. I love it.
2: The precision on that puppetry. Um just overall whenever there's a the magnifying glass there is this. There is this. Just dedication to to getting this right. Like what, what are you getting? We're that, on a podcast. What did magnifying you magnifying glass? Yeah, sorry. that. <laughs> that, that, that yeah, that's me. Um, uh, getting the the uh, the magnifying glass right over the eye uh, takes such just focus and precision. Uh, and and kudos to to all puppeteers who. Who have the ability to do that? Uh, threading that needle is is uh, is no joke.
1: And I, I believe the puppeteers on uh, a lot I wanted to know are Donna Kimball, Andy Hayward, and Amy Garcia. There you go. Good memory. And and I and I believe that well, I well, I actually asked Andy last night to confirm because I didn't want to get it wrong. But <laughs> Good um, Memory Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Uh shout out Andy Hayward. Um the uh magnifying the little the little hats and, and capes that they all have on were built by Jurgen Ferguson, who was our head wrangler. And I he stayed up all night, I'm pretty sure making those the night before he like, oh my god, they need they need little hats and capes. We gotta do it. Yeah, he and, was right, uh, and it was worth it.
2: Who also made us hats? I'm wearing uh, one of Jurgen's hats. Uh, uh, he made us these Christmas uh, stocking hats, uh, beautifully detailed. Uh, yeah, great, great person. Sounds a guy. I've worked with and, with Jurgen,
0: oh, he's great. generous. He's apparently, great. he's great. just, just giving out hats to everybody. Ink spots. He's giving out hats. Right. Yeah, such a actually such a he guy.
1: he gave off, he. Gave the hat off his own head for um, the scene where, I forget what episode, where Wembley's practicing magic and there's like an ink spot with bunny ears on his head. Yes. That was like an idea that someone had right before lunch and over lunch, Jorgen took off his hat, cut a hole in the bottom of it, decorated it to look like fraggly and we shot it after lunch. <laughs> that's oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Lyle takes red to the mantivore so she could confront him, I guess. Um, and she's looking at him through the magnifying glass and says, well, he only looks big because of the magnifying glass. And then she takes the magnifying glass away and he's huge. This has got to be the biggest puppet uh, aside from the gorgs, uh, in this entire series. Like he's just humongous. Um, he's bigger than junior. I'd say, I guess. Right, Dan? Yeah. Well, he's big. eh, eh.
2: Yeah, he's big. He's big. Uh, it's uh, what is it? Five? Is it five puppeteers on on him to, to make him walk? I think so. Talk? I think so. I think so. Uh, at one point, I was I was one of the legs, uh, but uh, not in all scenes uh, because I would scurry away to go uh, practice on Junior uh, whenever they didn't need me. Uh, but uh, but Frank Frank Mescalite, oh oh, heart of my heart. Uh, what an amazing, what an amazing take on what could have been a, a very scary character. Uh, you you feel Frank's heart. You feel uh, just yeah. It's what a great, the Mantivore is amazing. Manti is is so
1: wonderful. Built uh, by yeah. Jim krupa with help from Heather Ash, I believe, also worked on it with Jim, and like a really just gorgeous puppet. The the way it moved and and all the little details on it, Jim Krupa.
0: I do want to add Jeff's about place. that. You know, I know, I know that, uh, Henson and Apple were, were pretty careful about spoilers and things leaking before things were initially announced, uh, for the series. Um, but, uh, few pictures of Jim Krupa building this puppet got out there on the internet uh, a while ago. And the fans, first of all, were like freaking out because we didn't expect anything beyond just, you know, fraggles, doozers, gorgs on the show. Um, But second of all, that like this is easily a character that in any other show would have been CG. It would have been cheaper and easier to just do CG. And now here's Krupa Mm -hmm. and he's building this thing that's not only like a cool looking puppet, but it's humongous. It looks fraggly. It's original. It, like you said, it takes five puppeteers to perform. Like that's incredible. So that gave us as fans
1: so much hope in what the series was gonna deliver on. It, it did the thing that um, a lot of the original series episodes had—the the kind of like creature of the week kind of um, storylines, where this this new creature would come to Fraggle Rock and we'd have to deal with it in some way. Uh, and I feel like M- Manti kind of filled yeah. that that role and you know he's used in only a couple episodes but they built this entire beautiful puppet um to serve that purpose and it it makes my little uh, nerdy heart so very happy
0: Uh, i'm right there with you (laughs) same big same uh so uh the mantivore has like you said he seems very scary uh and has a very big scary voice but really he's just welcoming red and lyle to his cave um and uh they kind of call him out on like, oh, gee, he had that big, scary voice. And he says, is that way the crackles are scared of me? Like, which is kind of sad. <laughs> like He could have had all these friends the whole time. And yet he's in an inadvertently scaring everybody away. Um, the uh, Mantafore did not take the water, uh, but he does know who took it. And he has some proof because he pulls out one of Red's hair ties. And she thinks back to the last time she lost a hair tie, which was way back in the pilot episode of this uh season uh when the fraggles first discovered the new water and i didn't even notice i don't think anyone noticed in that scene isn't that great that red is missing that hair tie like how cool is that isn't that great because also yeah. i went back and, and looked at it and it's like yes in that scene you know the water shoots in she loses her hair tie it looks like she's just disheveled but then immediately afterward all the fraggles are swept away by the water and now they have wet hair so it really is just maybe 20 or 30 seconds where you could potentially catch the fact that she lost this thing and then you're never going to notice after that uh so that was a cool that was a really cool joe yes
2: joe 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 yes that's how much everybody cares about this show that's how much thought and planning and heart went into this those those little things that we take for granted as 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 viewers were like oh yeah hey well of course she's she's disheveled and you don't notice that the thing is gone until the thing is gone and then when we when we read it in the table read i went oh my god yeah it was it was this like that but then oh you oh you guys are smart it was that sort of yeah yeah, and it's just the heart it's the heart to make something
0: good but let me ask you this if they put so much thought into it, did they have a, an explanation for how the hair tie somehow made it upstream back to the source of the water?
1: <laughs> of course. I'm sure they of did. Course. <laughs> the, the hair tie <laughs> fell just to the side of the stream of water, which is where Manti lives in the spout, and he found it. He's- uh, of course. I'll explain
2: it to you. Uh, and, and this is the one thing that I will never repeat again. Okay, I'm gonna explain this. Oh, oh no, we're, we're losing you, Dan. We're losing
0: you. You're freezing. And that's exactly how it happened. Wow, all right. Well, food for thought. Um, <laughs> well, in any case, uh, Red has now discovered that the culprit that she's been looking for the whole time was actually herself and the other Fraggles. Um, because they're for the last you know seven episodes they've been celebrating all this new water coming into frag rock but never once did they ask where the water came from um this is going to be uh basically the big uh through line through the rest of this uh this season about the after effects of uh this new new water and what do you do what do you do now um red uh Returns to Fraggle Rock with the Craggles in tow uh, because uh, they obviously can't just re-divert that water back uphill and back to the Craggle uh, Lagoon. Uh, so now the Craggles are like refugees, uh, which is also a nice, um, uh, a nice little moment of how we are, you know, really supposed to take care of our uh, our neighbors here. Uh, and again, uh, another bit of the storyline that really is setting us up for that back half of this season because uh, those Craggles now live. For now, at least at Fraggle Rock. Uh, we uh, have a, a great shot of the Great Hall uh, with all the Fraggles and Craggles coexisting. Some of the Craggles are napping. That's something else that's going to be coming up in a few episodes. Um, they're Fraggles and Craggles both playing in the pond. There's one shot, one Fraggle, I, uh, or, or maybe it's a Craggle, that I hadn't noticed until this viewing, who's way off to the right side of the Fraggle Pond with a straw and he's drinking the water. <laughs> which has fraggles bathing in it and that's got to be the grossest thing
1: i've ever seen on this show It's disgusting i haven't considered that wow they were really thirsty i think is what happened (laughs) they were just really parched
2: you know what you take you take you take nutrition where you
0: (laughs) eat i suppose that's true um I and mean, you know they do things differently in Craggle Lagoon. I can't I can't fault them yeah, for that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to yuck their yum. The
2: purest of pure waters.
0: Exactly. Yes. Um well now as as red says the uh, the Craggles get their well-deserved vacation by coming to Fraggle Rock and uh has not thought through things like where are they going to stay? What are they going to do about the water? Who's going to do their laundry? There's a lot of big question marks here, and thank goodness this is a serialized TV show because uh, we're not just ending it here. We have more episodes where we can explain these things. Uh, one thing that
2: I really want to want to touch on uh, the second horn blow that happens in this episode, uh, Kanya Shen is playing Pogi and is, is is standing right in front of that horn. the The leaf blower effect that happens is. Absolutely fantastic, but consummately sold by Kanye's reaction as Poggy, uh is absolutely brilliant. And it makes me giggle every time I see it.
1: Yes, I agree. So much love. Yeah, probably the same leaf blower that was cooling me off on the other stage. Absolutely, repurposed absolutely. right there.
2: We have to be re- we have to be responsible. With
1: That's right. Although I do imagine maybe
0: season two, you guys are going to have like fifteen leaf blowers. It's going to be great. You're going to be leaf blower rich.
2: <laughs> we can do leaf blower races on chairs uh, or rollies.
0: Yeah. That'd be cool. Wow.
2: Mine uh, would not put money on me, but
0: okay. <laughs> well, once you get that momentum, you know, then you'll be unbeatable. Yes. Um, well that, that pretty much brings us <laughs> to the end of this episode. Uh, do you guys have any other memories from this one that you wanted to share? Anything interesting?
1: I don't know. Um, I mean the, the Fraggle Pond, um, was I, for whatever reason, wow. when I was wrangling, I often, the, the job of, of wrangling the, the fraggles in the water fell to me, uh, which was treacherous and exhilarating all at once. Because, you know, basically the, the pond is, is like a, imagine a hot tub with um, a bunch of like heavy duty gloves kind of welded into the bottom of it so that the puppeteers could go underneath the hot tub and put their hands up into those gloves. And then from above, in the water, we could put the puppets onto the gloves so they could be performed. But that involved, you know, kind of like tiptoeing around the edge of the pond and like finagling puppets onto uh, puppeteers without being able to really hear what they're saying. So you're kind of yelling down. It was always very exciting, and uh, I'm glad they used so much of it in the show because it's it's really kind of glorious, right, to see these characters in real water. It just brings them so much brings them to life in a way that you know, yeah. if we weren't seeing the water, you might not.
2: Yeah, uh, here's uh, okay. Uh, I'm a left-handed puppeteer for starters. Uh, to to finish it off, I, I've got these giant arms, which we've already touched upon numerous times, and I already have a book deal for these arms. <laughs> um, but uh, but moving moving on, um, I never got to puppeteer in the pond. Uh, and my respect and, and utmost, like, uh, 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 just, just, yeah, total respect for any puppeteer who puppeteered in that, in that pond, um, because it's a hard gig, mm-hmm. your, your arm is up, your arm is in there, um, from the time that they put that, that puppet on, uh, there's this, it's, it's an entire process to get in and out of those gloves. Uh, and again, uh, everyone looked out for everyone. And if, and if anyone was having any issues, they would take care of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I could not have done that. It was that, that position and the water pressure that's around your arms, um, like, a, like a scuba suit, uh, and then a wet puppet on top of it is just beyond my capacity of, of understanding. And Henson, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, uh, I'm more than willing to do it. Uh, I'm more than willing to do anything that you guys want me to do. However, uh, uh, maybe keep me out of the pond. That'd be nice.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where like whenever uh, a puppeteer does, uh, you know, a workshop of, you know, or like, at least explaining to people, you know, what it takes to be a puppeteer. Uh, a lot of times they'll start with saying, okay, everyone in the audience, put your hand up in the air. And then just leave it there. And then they continue to talk and they say, don't don't lower your hand. And then they keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And it's like, you've only had your hand up there for like 45 seconds and already your shoulder's starting to give, you're, you don't even have the weight of a puppet on there. And like, it's hard work. I think a lot of people don't realize that puppetry isn't just like, you know, wiggling a doll. It's, you know, there's, there's so many more things that go into it. And only one of which
2: the very keeping your arm in the air. Places very confined spaces awkward positions yeah. uh, extended periods of time darkness uh, people all that other stuff so yeah it, it's it's not for the faint of, of, uh, of heart and, um, and yeah I mean it, it it at the end of the day whatever gets the shot done is 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 what it takes um, and we are surrounded we were surrounded um, by some of the most all-in people I have ever worked with. Um, just beautiful, beautiful hearts all around, um, and I've, uh, I've, I've, I've worked on on a, on a bunch of different sets, uh, but none of them felt like home. And this felt like a giant family. Um, everyone loved each other, looked out for each other, um, and uh, to to quote uh, to quote a, a very famous Muppet, I I hope to go back there someday.
1: Yeah, well, me too. We,
0: yeah, we hope that you guys get to go back there as well because this show needs a second season. We need more of this, and uh, really, you know, these this very this all too short season that we did get um, really is just phenomenal. Um, the amount of work, the amount of passion yeah. and love that you guys put into it—it's all showing up on the screen. Um, so thank you so much for all you've done, for all you continue to do, for being here on this podcast. Uh, We look forward to seeing what you guys come up with next, especially if it is Fraggle related. Um, But for now, I think that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Fraggle Talk. Uh, But stay tuned, all you fine listeners, as Tough Pigs' own Beth Cook talks more about the themes of this episode in our Dive Deeper segment coming up right now.
4: Welcome to Dig Deeper. This is Beth Cook, and I am joined once again by executive producer and president of television at the Jim Henson company, Hallie Stanford. Hello. I wish there was a Craggle Aloha, but there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the return of Inspector Red.
5: Yes, absolutely. And- so fun. That yep. was uh, Karen Pearl advocated for, for Inspector Red to come back, and we heard her loud and clear.
4: I love that there's a continuation of her character learning these lessons. Of she wants to push a little too hard, and mm-hmm. then realize that she needs to take other people into consideration. This time, not just another individual who she already cares about, but an entire society. Oh, she yeah, needs to learn to prioritize their needs over her wants.
5: Yeah, and she also um, is going to learn. You know, she's going to discover. Uh, a lesson that all of her friends need to learn because they all were the cause of, um, of the water going, uh, going away from Craggle Lagoon. I like to call this the White Lotus episode of of Raggle Rock because it's a lot about privilege at first, right? Like let's go on a vacation. Let's go to this place that we always go. And like, you know, and, and, and in some ways like, but not, you know, not interact, you know, and, and and we've had an impact on it and we've had a negative impact and we've had a negative impact on their culture. Um, and, and so you see this all happen in this episode. Um, I also think it's funny that they're going on a vacation since they barely work, but <laughs> anyway, um, I think that we just really want to showcase privilege, um, and, uh, as well as the lessons of, you know, understanding how we have an impact on other cultures' environments. Um, and, 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 and I think it's the, that sort of carbon footprint impact. It's not, it wasn't knowingly, they didn't go in trying to steal resources, right? As uh, versus the gorgs. Yes.
3: Um,
5: and, uh, and yet they're gonna have to figure out what to do. I think this is a message, you know, the, the whole idea of like, you know, being a, uh, a climate activist, Um, and green skills for this generation. I think this is something kids are completely aware of and engaged in. We're just reflecting it back in the story because we wanted to show, we have this theme of water through our whole episodes. Um, And so this is, you know, how the Fraggles actually impacted uh, one one group that um, their culture did thrive with the water. And now we have to help them, help them and then help figure out a way to make the water come back to their, to their area. So, but I I do want to say like, I I do feel that kids are really getting this messaging. We're just, we're just amplifying it. We're just, we're just continuing it. Whereas some of these messagings, I don't think kids are getting uh, in Fraggle Rock. I don't think they're getting enough information on how to manage anxiety or uh, have a moral imagination beyond their families and politics and country, you know, like, so these are things that we are hoping that we can help foster in them. But this one, i think the kids do care about if they actually have a negative effect on a culture Absolutely. Or, a people or land yeah
4: i love that parallel with the gorgs because in the same episode you see junior repeating gorgs deserve the best that you can tell that his father has been saying to him and indoctrinating him and so he tries to you know give this this plant that he loves junior junior tries to give him the best and then realizes oh that's actually impacting these The needs of these other plants yeah so whether that harm is done by accident like with the fraggles or on purpose with pogorg saying we need to hoard our water the impact can be the same
5: the impact's the same and with junior I think the journey is harder you know I just talked about that term moral imagination meaning that you have to be able to imagine a morality outside of what you've been taught it's really hard and why he's able to do it is because he's caring for something else besides himself, of course. But that's not so obvious to you know, kids when, when they're watching that once I start to care for something, oh wait, then I want it to be healthy and I want it to thrive. Um, so once I start caring for a person of another color, once I start caring for a person from another country, um, I'm gonna want them to thrive. And, you know, that comes with connection and um, education. And so, anyway, I think that just he has a harder journey, Junior. He, he kind of breaks my heart. Oh, absolutely. He really breaks my heart, but he, uh, he comes out good in the end.
0: Fraggle Talk, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast is brought to you by ToughPix.com. Produced, written, and hosted by Joe Hennis. Fraggle Fast Fact segment presented by special guest John Tartaglia. Dig Deeper segment hosted by Beth Cook with special guest Hallie Stanford. Fraggle Talk art by Dave Haltine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company, all rights reserved. Fraggle Rock theme song written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company, Apple TV Plus, and the entire Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time down at Fraggle Talk.